Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. Not only have I been the owner of Mint Mobile for the last few years, I've also been a customer. I don't know if you knew this, but anyone can get the same premium wireless for $15 a month plan that I've been enjoying. It's not just for celebrities, so do like I did and have one of your assistant's assistants switch you to Mint Mobile today. I'm told it's super easy to do at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds, owner of Mint Mobile, with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at hm.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. Empowered and Unapologetic is part of the Practice of the Practice Podcast Network, a family of podcasts that change the world. To hear other podcasts like the Bomb Mom Podcast, Beta Male Revolution, or Imperfect Thriving, go to practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Have you ever thought, how did I manage to lose myself? Being a mom is so hard, especially when we're feeling stressed and disconnected. We exhaust ourselves trying to create this perfect life for our family. You deserve to enjoy your marriage and your kids without the stress perfectionism brings. I am going to teach you how to identify who you are outside of all of the roles you play. Hi, I'm Veronica Cisneros. I'm a wife, mother of three, and a licensed marriage and family therapist. I am on a mission to teach women just like you how to become empowered and unapologetic. Welcome to our girl gang. Hey ladies, welcome to Empowered and Unapologetic. I'm your host, Veronica Cisneros. Today's guest is a board-certified sexologist, certified sex coach, educator, and author of Read Me, a Parental Primer for the Talk. She is known as the Mama Sutra and a former professor of human sexuality. So please help me by welcoming Dr. Lene St. John. Hey, Dr. Lene. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. How are you? 
I'm doing good. I have to say, I am so excited to have this conversation with you. (laughs) (laughs) And as I was reading your book, Mm-hmm. It was back and forth. I was like, okay, wait a minute. She had me at hello. And then now I'm like nervous and I'm having all of these feelings. And so I was like, okay, then this means that I'm learning and growing. And this is great. Yeah. Um, and so we're going to have, we're going to have the talk, right? <laughs> <laughs> Many talks. <laughs> so I want, I want our audience, I want all of the moms out there to, to get to know you. So how did you become a sexologist, because that's pretty major. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does one become a sexologist? I mean, it's it was something that I was interested in in college. I mean, I I grew up Republican, Catholic, uh, you know, pretty pretty sheltered. I didn't mean I didn't go to a Catholic school or anything, but my parents definitely opted out of sex ed for me in high school. Um, I don't remember getting sex ed and I know they talked about it with my peers. So, (laughs) and I remember one particular day not actually going to school. So I actually, you know, I was opted out of that, but, um, you know, fast forward to going to college, I had some free choice of being able to pick the classes I wanted. And I was really interested in this human sexuality class. So I took it and I was fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. I, I was like the curve breaker because I read every chapter. I did every like quiz in the back of the book, like at the end of the chapter. And I just, I dove in. I just loved it. Um, even though I wasn't having it, I was, I was still a virgin until I was like 20, 21 years old. Um, but I was just, I was fascinated by it. And having taken that class as a, a junior or sophomore, um, I then became like the go-to person for my friends. And I remember <laughs> talking to people like being at a frat party or some, some party and, and, like feeling totally comfortable talking about this thing that I was learning about and just fascinated by. So, you know, so that was like the beginning of when I was interested. And of course, you know, I didn't have any sex ed, so I was making really stupid decisions around sexuality at that age. And, you know, not always, you know, sober um, either, because that's, mm-hmm. that, that was part of my <laughs> journey into learning about sexuality. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so I, I was numb about a lot of stuff and didn't really pay pay attention, didn't really know, you know, everything. You know, got married, moved to New York City, um, got uh got the opportunity to live in Germany um with my then husband. And I was pregnant when we moved over there. And once I had my babies living in Germany, I got to see a completely different culture with how they raise their children around sex. And so I moved back to the States when it was time for us to move back. Um, my kids were then in preschool, you know, heading into kindergarten. And, you know, I, I was like, gosh, I, I really want to go back and go back to school and, and further my education. Like I wanted, I want to do something more now. And so um, I just Google, I live in the Bay Area and I Googled graduate school, human sexuality. And at the time there existed a school called the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality. And it was a tiny little school, very Um, non-traditional. It was, it was an amazing experience to go to school there. And that's where I got my master's and then my doctorate in human sexuality. And I, you know, it's, it's really a fascinating study. You know, I've, I've, I went in thinking I knew everything, right? Kind of yeah. a little arrogant, like, oh, this human sexuality thing is going to be easy. <laughs> but I mean, there is so much nuance and so much, uh, it's just such a huge spectrum. The, mm-hmm. you know, all of, all of sexuality, there's just so much to it and it touches every discipline. You know, there's, it touches legal, it touches health, it touches, you know, <laughs> it's everything. So yeah, it was, um, it was really a wonderful journey. And, and I just, I, I love the field that I work in. <laughs> and you can tell, I, I appreciate your passion for this because it's not like, oh, okay, let's just talk about sex. This is so much more, so much more. Um, in your book, you say we should stress less on having the talk about sex and more focus, focusing on kids and sexuality. And you also commented on, you know, living in Germany and what that experience was like. And I could not pronounce the name for the life of me. I was reading it and I was like, I don't even know how to say this. Um, But can you tell us more about that? Because we have a lot of moms listening and they're like, wait a minute. So um, 
I guess the the place I would start with that was living in Germany uh, was very different than living in the States because the we had a public pool near our house. And this public pool was like an outdoor huge, there was like an Olympic size pool, then there was a splash pool, and then there was a kiddie pool. And around the kiddie pool were all these, you know, toddlers and babies, and they were naked. Like it is not abnormal in the summer in a fountain in a park to see babies splashing or small kids splashing around naked in a park in Germany. And nobody thinks twice. Nobody, you know, scolds you or tells you to get clothes on your kid or anything like that. It's just, they just accept the body as being, you know, <laughs> a body <laughs> and there's nothing sexual about it. Yeah. And so, you know, having my kids there, being at these public places with my kids and allowing them to run around naked. I mean, I did have suits for them as well, but if they wanted to run around naked, it didn't, you know, I didn't, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother anybody else. And so, you know, once I moved back to the States, like I said, I think my youngest was three and the oldest was four turning, just ready to turn five. And, uh, that Mm -hmm. first summer I belonged to a small private you know, community pool. And it wasn't like a public pool that anybody could go to. But going to that pool for the first time, I taught these kids how to change into their swimsuits in a towel. You know how to do that? You know what I'm talking about, right? The Yeah, no, girl, yeah. it takes it takes up magic. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> Wisdom. It like, I had this aha <laughs> moment of like, wait a minute. You know, there are still these cute little cherub bodies and there's nothing wrong with this body. So why am I making them, you know, why do I inherently know that it is not okay for them to be naked in public? Right. So it was like, so there's this moment of like, yeah, you know, I hadn't yet started going back to school about sexuality. And so it was kind of like one of these, like, you know, the emoji, the hmm emoji. <laughs> so I picture is like, yes, hmm, what is yes. different about this? And so it was in that first trimester of going back to school that, you know, I, I sat in on a lecture that was talking about parenting and teaching kids and how there's so much shame and, and embarrassment that we carry, us adults carry in our bodies and false messages that we were told about sexuality that we carry and we hold and we, we hold these as true and real but if you really start to scratch the surface on it, like there's a there's something behind it that's not real. And so these these things are, are they're meant to kept, keep us safe, right? So there is, you know, there's it's like this weird balance of like, okay, well, we do want our kids to be safe and and protected from predators or pedophiles or anything like that. Bingo. That's that's yeah, that's and as you were saying that. You know, I found myself, and I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I just kind of wanted to say this. As you were saying about, you know, what it's like, you know, kids running around naked, right away, I'm like, oh my God, grab a towel, you know, and I'm like thinking of, you know, my kids and like, okay, throw bathing suits. Somebody's going to Walmart, you know, stat, like everything needs to be (laughs) happening stat because, you know, I go into protection, safety right away. Like how my, and then my kids being naked, it's like, Oh my, the fear, like mm-hmm. no lie. My heart just started beating so fast because it's like, okay, no girl, no Dr. Lene, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so what well, is that? What is yeah. this panic? So the panic is real. You know, we, we do fear that some weirdo, psychopath, mm-hmm. whatever is going to take an interest or take a liking to our kid, but research shows and, and more more data shows that it's people you know <laughs> sadly it's people in the family or people that are somehow re- you know within your scope already within your circle already who are probably more of a risk than the people who would be like some strange rapist jumping out of a bush right yeah. so it's i mean yeah i mean the other thing that's super important for us is that we talk to our kids about this stuff we talk to them about boundaries and and consent and the the things that I listed in my book which are the five building blocks to a healthy sexuality. I mean if you are able to to talk to your kids about boundaries and letting them know that it's okay for them to have protective boundaries that it, that they don't have to let other people touch them. Um in fact, if they don't want anybody to touch them they should never do that, you know, and including us, you know, um I have to take a step back here because you know, when kids are babies, when they're babies, they rely on us for everything. We have to do everything for them. However, 
once they start to get a little more independent, that's, you know, this is like a key time to be having these conversations as well, because we may be doing these things sort of forcefully to our kids. They don't really want. And so we have to sort of examine if we want to really argue with them or fight with them about that. And I'll give you a couple of examples of what I mean by that. Um, brushing their hair, right? Maybe it doesn't always require that they brush their hair, right? That they can, you know, we can let them go without brushing their hair. Um, but sometimes we'll for, you know, we'll grab them and force them and brush their hair. For them. <laughs> that's getting mm-hmm. crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But that's like, do we really want to have that battle? Do we want to allow our kid to have some autonomy or, or some agency over their body in little things like that, right? Um, Sam, that's a little different with like if they take them to the doctor and they need to get a shot, right? Like then that's a different conversation. This is something that's actually going to protect you, you know, as long as you're okay with vaccinations and things like that, you know, but these are, this is a different conversation. Um, something a little kind of in between there in the nuance range is like brushing their teeth, right? You can't really, I mean, it's like, do you really want to battle with them? But at the same time, you don't want them to get cavities. And so talking to them and reasoning with them, you know, depending on the age that you're at with them at these things, right? So it might be like six, seven, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. you're, it just depends on where your kid is developmentally. And yeah, just like what kinds of, what are the battles that we really want to have with them? You know, letting them maybe learn how to clip themselves into their car seat instead of, you know, picking about forcing them in and clipping them in, mm-hmm. right? Of course, that's sometimes that's going to have to happen if you got to go no, somewhere. Of but, but yeah, it's, um, you know, these, these conversations around boundaries and, and agency is, is all early conversations about consent. Mm-hmm. So a couple places I go right now with just, mm-hmm. you know, what you just shared is absolutely, you know, as a mother, we want our children to be independent. We want to guide them and teach them yeah. and, you know, provide them with healthy tools to become this independent, successful little human being. I say little human being because I'm not ready to say adult because my daughter's going to be 18 soon and I'm not ready for that. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Right. Right. But so, so I'm listening to all of this. And then I also think, you know, okay, you know, that, that, that conscience, that ability to go ahead and problem solve, well, that's not necessarily developed until they're about 25 years old. So here I have this individual who, you know, is completely driven by emotion, right? Mm -hmm. From birth, you know, that Mm -hmm. unconscious is fully developed. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, okay, wait a minute. Now I'm giving them this sense of independence and we're talking about sex. And so, although I've heard everything you said, all I can think of right now is, okay, wait a minute, how does this deal with sex and how am I talking to them? And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I'm on, I'm I'm on board just yet. Like, where are we going? Like, I want to listen to it, but I feel like it's a crash. Like what's happening? (laughs) Okay. So, so yeah, these conversations about independence are, are really important. Um, and the, th- the thing I will give you as like a little seed to plant in your head to, to start thinking about this differently is that when there are, when the stakes are low, those are the times that you give your child the opportunity to ex- explore their independence, right? Like while these, while the stakes are really low, this is where you can be there still to support them in, in learning and growing, right? So, um, Dating is one example. So I I was the kid who whose parents told them, you know, you can't date till you're 14. Okay. Fine. <laughs> dating, yeah. you know, this is years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dating myself a little bit, but you know, it's um it's it's one of those things where if we don't allow them to learn and develop and grow in these these, you know, it's like training wheels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they're if they're dating and you're having conversations with them about like, what does it mean to date? What do people do when they date? What's the purpose of dating? Like, like approach your kid with curiosity. You know, tell me more about that, so that it helps them to develop their critical thinking skills around these things too. Um, yeah, it's just it's this it's help them. You're able to help them, I should say, when the stakes are low. So now you and I, we have kids that are just about on the cusp of that 18. They're going to be out soon, you know, doing whatever. And the conversations 
that they'll need to have or that we'll hope they have with us when they're out of the house, hopefully we've already laid the foundation for those things before they leave. And so, you know, these these low stakes items now, you know, helping them, being there for them for when they inevitably, you know, fall off when the training wheels are removed, you Mm -hmm. know, we can be there for them much like we were when the training wheels were literally removed. And so, you know, now, you know, if they, they experience that first breakup and the heartache of it, you know, before the show, you and I were talking about coping skills, like mm-hmm. how are you there for your kid to help them learn and manage the coping of their first breakup if they don't have it until they're, you know, 22 or whatever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know? Now I can understand. I love the minute you said teaching them when the stakes are low, like helping and guiding them because right now with them being so young, I have a nine, you know, a 13 year old and a 17 year old, you know, you mentioned stakes are low. So right now I'm kind of processing that. And then I'm also thinking of, you know, when I was in grad school and we had a whole course on sex education and my professor, Dr. Viola Vasquez, she had stressed on which, you know, on, on focusing on these healthy conversations with your children and mm-hmm. having the conversations often infrequently. Mm-hmm. And it made me think of how many times my kids are met with, you know, kids, you know, maybe telling jokes or saying things that are inappropriate and completely out of line or even mm-hmm. disrespectful. How mm-hmm. is my, how is my daughter going to be able to understand, defend herself or even educate her friend when she's being given mis, you know, information that's not correct. Yeah. How is she going to be able to stand there and and feel confident in this if I don't have these conversations? And so it made me think of like, okay, although having this conversation is uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, it can't be about this emotion that's driving whether or not I educate my daughter. I have to be able to challenge that. And so there, it, it sounds like there has to be this shift in our mindsets so that we can arm our children with the tools they need Yeah, when they're met yeah. with, with information that's not correct, not true. Yeah, 100%. Those moments when you can remove your own emotion, right? When we can calm our nervous systems to be able to take away the fear or at least maybe not take away the fear, but at least put the fear aside, like acknowledge it even and say, you know, this stuff kind of scares me because nobody talked to me about it, but you deserve to know the real story because, you know, the, the, um, I've been doing this stuff with my kids since they were three and five, right? When I went back to school to study human sexuality, I, I just got curious about everything. And so, Um, the conversations I've had with my kids have been nothing like the conversations I had with my mom. In fact, I didn't have the conversations until I was in college with my mom. And, you know, by then lots of things had happened, not all of them good. And the, the place where I am, I am with my kids now is I have a level of trust and ease Mm -hmm. that my mom, I'm certain my mom did not have about me because I didn't have that feeling. Right. And so I'm sure that my kids pick up on the fact that one, well, that I know that they know I trust them because I, we talk about it. We talk about when they do things that gets into that, like, I'm not so sure I can trust Like I'm feeling like I can't trust you right now about X, Y, Z. So being able to, you know, put that emotion that really content, you know, when I was younger, could really take over whatever it was about, right? Early marriage, jealousy things, you know, all those things that when I was young, I didn't really have the wherewithal to be able to be like, okay, let me cool my jets for a minute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, set aside that fear so that I can talk reasonably and rationally and not give you the fear that I have. Or I can acknowledge the fear so you understand that I have fear and what my fear is about, but that, you know, you can, you can survive in a, you could do better than I, than I did. And, you know, these, these conversations about often and frequently, I think where I can help moms, and this was the thing that was the biggest thing for me, is that 
these conversations, when we say talk about sex, in my head as a young mom, it was always thinking about, you know, penis and vagina, penis and vagina. But like, if you can think, or if you can try to remember that there are so many steps that have to come before a penis and vagina or any genitals meet, right? It's the dating love relationships. This is the stuff that we we don't have classes on dating, love, and relationships, and we should have that type of class in addition to sex. I mean, that's essentially what comprehensive sex ed is. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, these things, I, I, my, you know, armchair therapist, you know, wannabe and me is like, this is how we've gotten to hookup culture. You know, we yes. do not acknowledge dating, love, and relationships, communicating. The issues that people have with being able to communicate with each other come from not being able to talk about this stuff, you know, not Mm -hmm. being trained in it. And, you know, that, that idea, the new mom idea that talking about sex is about telling them about what parts go where, who does what is, is the fear. That Mm -hmm. is the fear that our parents gave us. And the book that I wrote tries to help break that down into these bite-sized nuggets. (laughs) I mean, they're not, they're big though. Communication, consent, respect, pleasure, and fantasy. And if you can start to shift your thinking away from what parts go where and thinking toward the concepts within these five building blocks, those are the talks that you have early and often and frequently, right? These are the things about, you know, communicating your emotions, you know, needs, wants, desires, what does that look like? You know, all of these five building blocks are things that you can use when you are dealing with a two-year-old, right? You can start when they're two, when they're 12, you know, they're definitely going to help them when they're 22 um, mm-hmm. and on their own, making their own decisions. But none of those building blocks are about what parts go where, or who does what. They are about having the, the building blocks, the foundation to a healthy adult sexuality. Boom. Right there. (laughs) No, I I, I appreciate that you covered that because like I said, you know, before we even pressed record, you know, I said, I felt so many different ways and I was like, okay, this is great because I am learning and I'm growing and there's this level of vulnerability. And, you know, when I, when I reached the five building blocks, communication, consent, Mm -hmm. respect, pleasure, and fantasy, I'm not going to lie. Pleasure and fantasy, talking to my kids about this. It was like, okay, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready, you know, but (laughs) I was able, I was able to say that I'm not sure that I'm ready versus, oh, hell no. I'm not talking to my kids about that. There was, it was a different, there was a shift in just reading your book. Yeah. And in addition to that, I think about like, how often do I challenge, um, the women in my group? You know, I have, um, I have a VIP group and in that group, we talk about uncomfortable conversations Mm -hmm. all the time, life issues, (laughs) struggles. I mean, we go there and I'm constantly encouraging the ladies to be vulnerable. Hey ladies, here's the deal. I've opened up a private VIP membership group. This community is hosted in a private Facebook group where I will do one hour weekly coaching calls. I'll help you create a goal action plan. You'll be provided with worksheets and assigned homework to hold you accountable. In addition, you will have access to me. Have a problem? Post it and get feedback. It's a healthy mix of coaching, accountability, and support. The VIP ladies have told me it feels like we're all sisters. I can really be myself here. Get access to our VIP membership group only when you join. Go to empoweredandunapologetic.com forward slash VIP dash membership. Start pursuing the change you so badly desire. You deserve it. If we can go ahead and teach our kids young about vulnerability, Mm -hmm. even including sex, well, then it draws this different connection with them because now they see us as safe. Yep. Now they know they can come to us with any question minus the judgment, minus the criticism, minus the shame. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing we have to dial back on ourselves. Like I, I had plenty yes. of judgment. 
Oh God, good one. <laughs> well, I love another I thing, that <laughs> right? Another thing that you said was thinking about our history, think about our childhood history. And I'm going to tell you right now, I was raised, my dad was so strict. The minute there was a kissing scene, turn it off, turn it off forward, you know, in the tape recorder back in the days when it was, you know, the VCRs, you know, forward it, you know, and then even when I, you know, I was engaged and then married my husband, poor guy, you know, we'd be all sitting at, in the living room and then this couple would be making out and my, my dad would just look at my husband and say, Willie and Willie without skipping a beat, jumped from the sofa and went straight to press forward because it's like, Oh, we're not allowed to do that. We're no, 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 we don't do that here. And it made me think about all of those past experiences and how in so many ways that has stopped me, that has kept me stuck in the stork story or, you know, no shame or sex is taboo. We don't talk about pleasure here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a perfect example. That's a perfect example of not being able to, to see or witness pleasure. I mean, if we, so for one, you talked about vulnerability, being able to be, be vulnerable. What's more vulnerable than talking about sex? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. that's a big one. But also I, I had a, I had a similar experience growing up where um, if kissing came on a, a, a show, I was the one who got embarrassed. Like, well, mm-hmm. why would I be embarrassed by other people kissing? And so there's, there's this other weird thing that we do as parents, you know, we, we don't want to let our kids know that we have sex right? Like it's this, oh, girl, yes. ooh, like, yes. ooh, don't, don't be in the same house when your kids are, you know, when your kids are home to have sex when you're with your partner. Mm-hmm. But at the same time we say, oh, sex is something that two people who love each other do. Yes. Yes. Why don't we, <laughs> where's okay. the disconnect there? <laughs> okay. So here we go. Cause I have a whole bunch of questions for you and I'm about to admit something. I can't believe I'm doing this because I don't okay. even know who's listening. Okay. So this is another question. Uh Okay. So let's say allegedly, okay. Allegedly, let's say you, you lock your door, right. Uh But you had one of those cheap locks and you have the, the key, you know, outside of the door versus inside, right on the top where your kids can go out and totally reach it with a little stool. Anyway, I'm not saying this happened to me, but (laughs) (laughs) so let's hypothetically, let's say you thought your kids were asleep because yeah, you're right. Like this is what happens with couples couples with kids and, you know, you're having a nice moment with your husband, uh-huh. you know, and trying to be as quiet as possible because that's, that is what we do. Uh-huh. And your kids barge in because they think something you're in danger. Yeah. Right. They hear noises. And they hear noises, but they only hear noises because they woke up because they had a nightmare or whatever. And so they're walking towards your room and it's never locked. What the hell's going on? And now there's noises coming from it. Faint noises, but it doesn't matter. And your two kids run in and you're completely naked uh-huh. and they're screaming. And <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you right now. I literally left my husband hanging. He was there on the bed, completely naked. I just bolted <laughs> to the bathroom and I was like, it's every man for themselves at this point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And my little rookie, she's walking around pacing the, our room going, what is happening? Oh, my God. Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. And my middle child is telling me, you're not supposed to be doing that. You promised me you didn't want to have any more kids. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so what do we do? Take me take me to a place where I can redeem myself. <laughs> okay. So, well, I mean, it's it's already happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um we could do a we could do a breakdown analysis of what could have gone differently or what to do instead. What would how would I say? Like so it's going to happen. I think reality is. Listen, we're human beings. You're married, and if you're not having sex, well, we need to talk about that. Even <laughs> if you have kids in the house, right? And that's a whole other chapter we could go into. Yeah, yeah. But what do we do? Because yeah, I don't know how many people have been caught. In I mean, the everybody, either, think- right? I think kids every parent or parents at some point. <laughs> you either caught your parents or yes. <laughs> right. So um you know, uh 
one of the books that, one of the very first books, even before I went back to study sexuality, was a book that I got about sex in Germany, like Sex and Parenting, the kind of same kind of books that Roby Harris does here in the United States or something similar. Um, there was a page in the, I'm trying to think of what age this this book was for, but there was a page where you see mom on top of dad underneath maybe some covers, but you can still see the outline of kind of, it's a drawing, right? A, a cartoon an illustration. And you see a little kid holding the door open with his teddy bear under his arm. And you know, Poor the, the parents, <laughs> well, the parents don't react in the same way that I historically had seen parents act. And so it was this moment even in reading this book as an adult, looking looking this over before I read it to my kids, I was like, huh, mm -hmm. huh, okay. Because uh, even then, like, well, my kids were, were still in cribs back uh, trying to think of how old they were. Like, well, so anyway, so anyway, my reaction to seeing this book was this, was another kind of one of these aha moments. And, you know, one, if sex is not shameful itself between mommy and daddy, because they love each other. And these, this is the message that we want to give our kids, then being able to stop what you're doing without the shock, fear, embarrassment reaction, just to maybe stop what you're doing. And then shift your focus less on, oh my God, you've caught me to you're here and not in your bedroom. Are you okay? What's, what's, what's the matter? And if they say, I had a bad dream, then you can deal with the dream and just make the issue of them seeing you in flagrante or whatever <laughs> in the moment, a non-issue, right? Because that the piece they're going to remember is the is how you reacted to them and if they were in their own moment of distress because of the bad dream yeah we just heightened it if we right. did it the other way mm -hmm. right so you know kind of stopping and and just cuz you weren't doing anything wrong if you really no and i was apologizing down. i was yeah. apologizing like there was no tomorrow yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's like you know being able to say hey you're here and not in bed what do you need? Do you, you know, are you okay? Did you have a bad dream? Do you need water? Do you have to go to the bathroom? Right? Like, and then like, you know, dismount, <laughs> dismount and then go deal with them. And I mean, you could even do that naked because there's nothing wrong with your body. And that even gives them the message that, you know, being naked in the house is not a terrible thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Most families probably aren't naked families. And when yeah. Britney Spears said she had a naked family. I was always like side-eyeing that. But as a mom with two kids who wants to have her kids not feel any shame or embarrassment or guilt about their bodies, I became, we became a naked household. And, you know, I have, they would kill me if I said this on public. <laughs> like, okay. So I won't say who or which, but um, I have one kid that loves to be topless and I have another kid who runs around in her underwear. So mm -hmm. it's like... You know, they don't have, they absolutely don't have the same body shame that even I, in my current age and physical state, <laughs> I still have the trauma. So that's what this really is then. Because like when you, when you explain it in that way, I mean, before I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And, and then after it's like, okay, wait a minute. She's right. We don't yeah. have to, this, this is more shame. This is more, it's not necessarily sexual. And I think if we're able to kind of just yeah, knock that off, like this is, this, this is natural, you know, and it's not like we're doing anything to go ahead and imprint our kids in a negative way. But I, I, I think that's really what the focus is like, recognize that this isn't a shameful thing. You know, and I'm so glad you you mentioned your kids and running around, you know, and doing their thing because it's like they're they're still them and we're not allowing our judgments, our opinions or any not our judgments, but maybe anybody outside to go ahead and like penetrate yeah. you know their 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 minds. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That makes <laughs> sense. So so with this you know, I know it's important for us to teach our kids about growth and learning and, 
you know, making sure that, um, you know, it's okay to fail. We're not in this state of, okay, no, failure is not an option. Failure is going to be a constant option, unfortunately, for all of us. Yeah. You know, what common mistakes <laughs> I do, do us do well, <laughs> right? Every day, every day. And I learned so much from it. But what are common mistakes us parents make when having the talk? And right now, just in hearing you, I, I believe my mistake was I was apologizing. You know, I know when when there's this heightened level of anxiety, stress, or fear, you know, if it's met with, you know, your 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 parent in that same level, well, guess what? Now it's just this catastrophe versus, you know, I like how you said it, be calm, you know, and it's you're gonna go ahead and address the issue, but it's not at this, you know, dysregulated state. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I read a book that was not about sex at all, but it shed a lot of light on just my reaction to things in general. Have you mm -hmm. read Thich Nhat Hanh's book on f anger? I have not. I have not. So there's, there's, a, there's a little story in there or parable or whatever, whatever you call it, where he talks about anger as a baby. And when you notice anger, you know, acting up, you sort of picture baby anger or anger as a baby. And when mm -hmm. you have a baby, how do you react to the baby? You, you tend to the baby, you, mm -hmm. you know, you make sure what's going on. What, you know, what can I do to eliminate the, the piece that's, you know, creating this reaction in my baby anger? I'm probably really massacring this, <laughs> this no, story. It's making sense. But, you know, when you when you have this thing that you need to attend to, then you you pay attention to it and you examine it. Like, what can I do that can address this baby fear or baby um, embarrassment or, you know, whatever the case may be? You, you stop and you sort of look at it and attend to it and figure out, okay, what what can I do to help? in this situation. Mm -hmm. And so it's, yeah, it's the same thing with, with any of the things with embarrassment. Like, why do I have this embarrassment about sex? Well, it's easy to know because, you know, for me, it was my parents' reactions to it, you know? So, you know, and, and for you, maybe it's a, a contributing piece is how, you know, TVs were, or the TV shows were, mm-hmm how you're the reaction in the family to kissing on TV, of course, there's going to be some embarrassment around that. So it's, you know, and to be fair to our parents, you know, they were doing the best they could, you yeah. know, nobody talked to them. So, or else when they did talk, they got some, you know, scary, mm -hmm. uh, black and white movie about venereal yeah. disease, you know? Bingo. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, so we have to have a little compassion for, okay, I understand, you know, my ancestors, all the people before me probably, you know, did have some pretty scary situations. They weren't protected or they weren't, you know, kept safe. And so these conversations around sex were around protection and danger and all those scary things. And so, you know, it's, it just sort of morphs though into this embarrassment and shame stuff. And, and it doesn't serve us. If we are talking openly and honestly to each other, if we are able to help our kids understand this stuff, you know, I am seeing the seeds that I planted in my three and five-year-olds way back when showing up now in how they observe their peers' interactions and relationships, and even in the, the budding dating relationships I have seen and the, the decisions that they've made based on those things. So mm -hmm. one of the things I got permission to share from my daughter, and she didn't even remember saying this <laughs> when I checked back with her. Um, <laughs> It was a little while ago now, and I was I was asking her, oh gosh, I don't even remember how the conversation started, but essentially she told me that when she is ready to start having sex, she wants to find somebody that she feels perfectly comfortable with and like like a really deep friendship with them. And I was like, that's interesting. Why do you say that? And she said, because I get the sense that sex is awkward and I want to be totally comfortable with somebody, you know, that with somebody that I can be awkward with. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, like that is a level of maturity <laughs> yeah, that I did yeah. not have about this topic. And it's, you Absolutely. know, so it's, you know, these seeds that we, 
plant when they're young, they do pop up later, but in you know, possibly in ways that we didn't even anticipate they, them to grow, right? And so I also, I've heard many times this idea that when you teach kids about sex, they're just going to go out and do it. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I have been told that too. And yet I've taught my kids about sex. I have sent them through the Our Whole Lives, the Unitarian Universalist Church program, Our Whole Lives, which is an amazing program, but it's all about sex, love, relationship, dating, all that stuff. And that story I just told you about my daughter and her decision now, like that's pretty, that's pretty advanced. And that's very different from, oh, I just want to go out and have sex now. (laughs) Bingo. Bingo. Well, you've armed her with the tools that she needed to provide that level of consent, to provide that level of communication and, and even respect for her own body. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it's a totally different level because she now can go into the world and say, it's not a rush. It's not because I, you know, this boy approached me and I really like him and I want to impress him. So I will go ahead and kiss him, even though I really don't want to, I'm really not ready. Or I will go ahead and maybe fall into whatever my friends tease me about, you know, because they're already sexual, you know, they're already having sex and Mm -hmm. I don't have to do those things because they're doing them. They're doing them because they're not educated. I know what I want. I know my body. I'm aware of what's, what I can get. And so until I can get it, I am not compromising my worth for anything less than that. Yeah. So heck yeah. Heck yeah. There was also, you know, I got divorced when the kids were right around the time I went back to school to study sexuality and I dated and I didn't introduce the kids to the people I dated until I, unless I thought there was something, you know, potentially long-term. And after like the second person I had dated where they 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 did meet the person. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter came to me and said she had a list of of things she learned from my failed dating experiences, <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty uh, <laughs> pretty eye opening and mm-hmm. humbling at the same time. Absolutely, you know it's uh, and at the time, you know, I wasn't. T- I don't tell them everything, mm-hmm. but you know, I I filter. Um, I thought it was important that, you know, I mean, it was actually ended up being a really good experience for me also being ready to have kids that would date and have like a, a more yeah. <laughs> a recent experience <laughs> so that I could relate to, you know, what they would soon be going through themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it was, um, it was interesting. It was a, it was a really interesting, uh, insight that she had. <laughs> Absolutely. I wrote it as a blog, actually. She she contributed. It was, I think it's called Things I've Learned from My Mom's Unsuccessful Dating Experience. (laughs) I appreciate that you have those blogs in your book, too. There's, there, I I was reading them and I remember you had a conversation. You were there getting tested and, and you're having this conversation with your daughter and, you know, the phlebotomist coming in and, you know, you just being so open and honest and, you know, the phlebotomist telling you, I, I wish I would have had that conversation because I was pregnant. I believe she was like 14 years old. Yeah, she was young. She was young. And it was just like, oh my God, how powerful is that for us, you know, at any point in time for us to be open and honest and sharing all of these things, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just kudos to you for opening, for just having that conversation because it gave me that, that insight and just again validated that this is really a mindset shift than anything yeah, else. Yeah. Well, and and yeah, it does feel super edgy hearing you say taking your kid to an STI test. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I uh, it's it is a a real aspect of life as a person who dates, and it is an important part of any person to uh, any person's practice to be able to go and get tested and know their status. So, you know, you're not out there doing things with people who you don't know what their, you know, STI status is. Um, 
I mean, I want to, I want to establish that as a, as something that is good for their sexual health. Absolutely. Um, you know, just like, I mean, I, I talk about doing genital self exams, you know, making sure that you know how your parts feel, you know, how they look, um, knowing if there are any changes. Irregular. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. And, you know, you go a year between doctor visits, right? Like if you do go once mm-hmm. a year um, and you're expecting your doctor who sees hundreds, if not thousands of vaginas or vulvas between your visits to remember what yours looks like, mm-hmm. you know, so you're, so it's like doing your own genital self-exam is not a sexual thing. It is a, it is a health thing. And being able to know like how your breasts feel, um, you know, what the vulva looks like and make sure there's no, you know, irregularities or changes that occur. Mm-hmm. And heaven forbid, if there are, you are equipped with the right words to be able to go to your doctor and say, this is, you know, fact X, Y, Z, and then you can get the help you need. Um, there was a book I used to give my students. We used to review this book. I think it's called Manhood. Uh, it's a yeah. picture book that has all the all a bunch of different penises. And and there was one story in there where a young man was quote unquote having a scratch down there, mm-hmm. and he noticed a lump in his testicle, and or lump in the scrotum. Didn't know which testicle, but lump in the scrotum, and it was about the size of a pea. And he kind of went into denial mode and was like, Oh, okay. Not gonna, not gonna think about it. Nine months later, it was three times the size. And, you know, so, you know, when you feel these things, you absolutely have permission to go to your doctor and say, I noticed this thing and they can tell you if it's something or not. And if it's something you can get it taken care of right away. Heaven forbid that something like that grow or, you know, metastasize or whatever, um, you can get it checked out and taken care of ASAP. And there's no shame in knowing what your parts feel like, knowing what, you know, what your status is. All those things are, are just health things. Yes. Yes. And the same thing to teach your kids that. Yes. This is all part of the talk. It's like, like you said, it's not just, you know, penises and vaginas. It goes so much further. This is a true educational lesson. It's a true educational life lesson, not only for our kids, but for us too. And to have those type of conversations are so important, so important. And to be able to go ahead and arm your, your, your children with you know, the tools necessary to go to their physicians and have these conversations confidently, because I'm going to tell you right now, there's, I remember going to my first, my first annual visit and it's like, okay, wait a minute. Can I just keep my legs crossed the entire time? And they're like, oh, well that defeats the purpose. <laughs> right. Right. So, so yes. And, and I wasn't aware of my body. I didn't know what, what was and wasn't okay. And so I'm so glad that you said that. I'm, I'm so glad that you touched on that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I have a friend who's an OBGYN and she said that, you know, they don't care if you have shaved or no, <laughs> right? they, don't, like, care. they mm-hmm. don't care if your toenails aren't done. Like just, just go. <laughs> yes. Don't worry. Please. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So wrapping up, I, I always ask these two questions. Okay. What are you doing right now to live the life you want to live? talking about this stuff, doing podcasts like this, like this is, I do believe that this is my, my purpose in life oh, hell yeah, girl. To help people, is to help people realize that it is not as bad as we've been told. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, doing this work. There you go. Okay. Second question. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to the mom who feels stressed and disconnected? She was standing right in front of you. What advice would you give? Stressed her? and disconnected. Well, for the stress part, it, I mean, I'm a sexologist. I'm going to say masturbate. <laughs> ah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> because, you know, there is, you've, we're told that sex relieves stress, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at the study that actually was the study that they, you know, looked at leukocytes and, and white blood cell counts. It was a group of like 11 German men who masturbated. And after they masturbated X amount of time after their white blood cells increased. So it's not about having sex specifically, but to me, it's about 
you know, masturbation or at least orgasming. And I know a lot of hetero partnered women don't always have successful. <laughs> Girl, we need to have, yes, we need to have a whole nother episode based <laughs> off of this. Yes. Yes. And yes. So yeah. So masturbate for yourself, for your there health, you for your stress. <laughs> <laughs> for you. <laughs> For you, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and okay, so feel connected. Heck yeah! Look at covered both of them online. <laughs> <laughs> so I I understand you have a free giveaway for our listeners. Yeah. So, uh, well, I have a, a few. One that's just regular on my website. You can get it if you just go to my website, which is themamasutra.net. At the very bottom, I have something called Touch Lab, and it's a it's a tool that you can download to. Um, to play with your partner, right? So that mm. one's that one's more about like pleasure for yourself uh, and your partner. But the one for moms specifically, I have a free chapter of the book that I offer, um, and I can send that to you for the show notes. Okay, but it's um yeah a free chapter of the book. Hopefully that'll give you a little taste of you know my position, uh, how I, if you've been listening to this, you know already, but it will give you a little taste of what's in the book. Um, and hopefully that's something that you'll, you'll seek out. Um, and even if you buy the book at the very back of that book, there's another freebie, um, which is a conversation starters, uh, freebie. So go to the, get the book, go to the website, download that freebie. Um, and get the book. You have the conversations. Yeah. That'll help there you, you go. have those conversations that are awkward and difficult, but you know, they'll be, they'll be eye-opening for yourself to think through like, what would I say if, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to back that up with definitely get the book. Like I said, in the beginning, I, you know, had my own insecurities. <laughs> I had my own, you know, just whatever yeah. I've learned in my past and reading yeah. through it and, and, and really, really educating myself. And again, I'm a therapist. So I talk about sex. I've, I've ran group, group sessions for sex addiction. I've ran group sessions, you know, involving sex. And so it's like, Oh, I totally got this. She's not going to teach me anything. And then I read it and I was like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> totally That's different. So I really happy. enjoyed it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, where can we find you? Okay. So you can find me everywhere on social media as the Mama Sutra, T-H-E-M-A-M-A-S-U-T-R-A. Um, and my website, like I said, themamasutra.net. Um, yeah, I'm usually on Facebook, but uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram is kind of a mess, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't have like a like, you know nice, pretty look and feel just yet, but it's like a smattering of all kinds of sex related call outs and, and things like that. Interesting articles and such. Sold already. Sold already. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on this show. This was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me. Absolutely. We're going to, you know, we're going to have to do another one. The minute I'm we started talking about, we're, we're definitely going to have to do another one. All right, ladies. <laughs> I hope you're having an amazing day. Until next time. Bye. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now and rate and review. Thank you, guys. Many women lose their own identity in the shadow of being a mom and a wife. We are a community of women who support each other. We leave perfectionism behind to become empowered and unapologetic. I know you're ready for the next steps. If you want to become empowered and unapologetic, get my free course, Unapologetically Me, over at empoweredandunapologetic.com forward slash course. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. This is given with the understanding that neither the host, practice of the practice, or the guests are providing legal mental health, or other professional information. If you need a professional, you should find one. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol – 
we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020 and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. Hey there. 
This is Casey McGuire Davidson, host of the Hello Someday podcast. I'm an ex-red wine girl turned life coach who helps busy women change their relationship with alcohol. I spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder while drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. In the Hello Someday podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. You can find new episodes of the Hello Someday podcast every Thursday, wherever you listen, and I hope you check it out. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.